everybody, it's Corey Poirier. Really excited to be back with the show and really excited as well to have a brand new first time guest with us. Really intrigued by his story. I've read a little bit about it, but I'm excited to learn a whole bunch more. Uh, so Kelly Cardenas, really excited to have you here today. And maybe I'll get started by asking you to tell us a little bit about your backstory for our listeners and viewers who may be discovering you for the very first time. Right on. Well, I'm a hairdresser by trade, so I got into the business uh, about 27 years ago. And for myself, um, I always knew that uh, the hairdressing, it was, people always asked me what my favorite part about it was. And I always said people. And so I knew that God had blessed me uh, to be able to do what I did technically that as basically just a conduit to be able to get to people. And that's what I've really started to expand on. And, uh, you know, for me, it's never been about how short or long or red or blonde the hair has been. It's always been about the connection with the person. One person, uh, one of my biggest mentor told me that there's not a piece of hair that's not connected to a head, that's not connected to a body, that's not connected to a soul. And once you can touch the soul, you can do anything. And that's really opened up my world. Wow, that that thought on its own is, is so big. I mean, that's so powerful. Uh, I just... This is a sort of a complete jump in side note, but it just popped into my head as I just went to a conference last week and uh, they got us to do what they called, uh, I think it was eye gazing. And we were like two feet in front of each other's eyes and just, and you had to stare at each other's eyes. Person you never met before, five minutes before that for 10 minutes. And it's, it's a lot harder than, it, well, I guess maybe it does sound hard, but it's yeah. hard. But when you mentioned about connected to a soul and all that, the big thing most people took away is they said they could almost felt like they could see the person's soul by looking into their eyes that long. So it's just for some reason that resonated with me when you mentioned that. So very cool. Um, so I guess then, you know, Kelly, there's so many directions I'd like to go, but I guess let's talk first on, on let's say the hair business, because that's where you spent a lot of your, your life and time. Uh, so if people are listening to the show and they want to understand a little bit more about people and running a business and entrepreneurship and all those kind of things, if we jump in really deep, I guess, at the first, are there some big things that you've discovered in the industry that uh, help make someone successful versus someone that may be struggling? Because obviously, you're in an industry where, if I understand it correctly, there can be high turnover and there can be struggles in running the business. There's, there's huge. I think you've hit on both of the biggest challenges. And I think the, the biggest part for us is working with a four-pillar system is what we call it, or four legs to a table. I'm like a, a fourth grade kid, uh, so I learned very simple. So I like to break it down almost like the movie Philadelphia, where he said, if I'm a four-year-old, explain it to me if I was a four-year-old. So it's like this, uh, there's four legs to a table, yeah? So if I have those four legs and one be personal, one be professional, one be financial, and one be spiritual, what I find is, is and if you don't have all the legs and they're not, uh, and they're, and they're not all stable and equal, then your table is gonna be lean to one side or sometimes it's gonna be wobbly or whatever it is. And so for us, we're looking at building whole people who are amazing uh, people in their community who happen to do hair. And that's the biggest part of it because I find that turnover generally happens from the financial side in our industry, not because the kids don't make enough money, but because the allocation of their funds and most of the time they just don't have the, the financial aptitude. And I mean, myself included, when I got into this, um, you know, I grew up in a, in a family where financial literacy was not something that was taught all the time. But then you have kids who sometimes are spiritually deficient, not meaning that we teach them to believe all the same thing, but that they believe that the, uh, that the world is a lot larger than them. And most people in our profession, the professional side is not something that they lack because they're watching YouTube videos, they're educating themselves, 
but that's only one leg. And you can imagine if your table only had one leg, it's going to wobble, it's going to fall. So if we can build whole people, amazing uh, people in their community that happen to do hair, that's when we really can make an impact, not only on the community, but this world. Wow. And what, what I guess comes to me with that is uh, I did this talk for a cosmetology association, rural uh, hairstylists, and we, we got them to break it in groups. And I really, in, in fairness, I got them to tackle stuff that was probably too intense to be tackling in a 15 minute, 20 minute timeline. So one group I asked, uh, figure somebody, it's decide on somebody in the group that hasn't found their purpose yet and help them find it. And as you know, in 20 minutes that, and I didn't even give them any, any, any skills to do it. I didn't say, here's what you should do. I just said, talk amongst yourselves. And I want, it was an experiment basically. Got another group, they made a list of all the people they surround themselves with, one person in the group. And I got them to put negatives and pluses besides, pluses besides the one that brought positivity, negative besides the ones that brought toxic energy. Cause we were gonna talk about how they could make changes. But the third group is the one that I'm driving to right now. I got them to, to come up with um, their purpose statement. And so I shared that mine was to be the guy that donates, motivates, inspires, educates, and, uh, and entertains. And so I asked them to come up with it. And these five girls, I think it was in this one group, uh, came back and they picked one girl to, to focus on. And she said, what I want to be is calm. So she even came up with an acronym. And I said, what does it mean? And she said, I want to be comforting, uh, approachable, loving, and motivating for every person that walks through the doors. And first of all, I said, wow, that they came up with that in 20 minutes. But I said, secondly, and you can tell me your opinion on this, Kelly, but I said, if you truly do that with every customer that walks through the door, you'll never ha have to look hard for work in this business again. I don't know if you agree with that, but that's, you know, that's pretty well-rounded for a 19-year-old to come up with for what she's going to do going forward. Absolutely. And so for us, I mean, for us, I actually, uh, you know, Corey, I just had this happened yesterday and it's great that you're asking because you know I think that we need to be in touch really really in touch not with this crazy huge reason why but your own reason why does that make sense and I, I we hear this all the time but most of the time people don't help us to be able to construct it like you were talking about so yesterday I got a chance I got a text message from a, my friend Scott and Scott uh, sent me uh, when he sent the message he said hey my mom just came home from hospice um, she's most like this most likely is gonna be her last haircut and I'd like you to come over to the ha uh, house and cut her hair. And because I've been able to work my purpose for as many years as I have, um, I had the freedom in my schedule to be able to go. So I went over to the house and I met Mama Z. And if she's listening, I love you, Mama Z. Um, but I got a chance to be able to spend time with her and I got to cut her hair in the backyard um, in a, a folding chair, um, you know, and no, I've got amazing environments that I get to work in now. I get to travel all over the world, all these things. But I was cutting hair in a, in a lawn chair in the backyard. And it really got me back in touch with why I do this in the first place. And that's simply to make people happy. And yesterday, I found myself, once I did that with Mama Z, I asked everyone in the family, you know, even the guy who had your haircut. I actually shaved a guy's head with your haircut yesterday. I got to shave his brother's hair. I got to do the son's hair. And all of this came not because I needed to, you know, I was doing it on stage or I was doing it in the salon or doing it for money or doing it, any of these things. It was simply to be able to make people happy. And it really got me back in touch with exactly why I'm doing this and why I set out on this journey in the first place. So then I guess a follow-up to that, uh, Kelly, is the book that you have behind you. And uh, I took a really quick peek on the website 
in regards to the book. But can you tell us, and, and I think the book ties into the conversation we're having right now about, you know, building a better life with what you're doing, creating happiness, but also uh, being successful in business as well and what it takes to be the well-rounded person. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about the book, how it came together, uh, what it's about, why the book, all those kind of good things? So I, I love this question because I actually wrote the book for these, like I wrote the book with the end in mind because I knew I was going to get to spend time with people like you who make people famous. That's what I told you. That's what I told you when we first started. A guy who's done over 700 stand-up comedy gigs. Like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm honored to be here, but I, I wrote it just for this, right? Because when I got interviewed by you and you asked me that question, I could tell you I wrote that book in six days. So <laughs> the reason why I did it is because like in the six days, I was like, well, if I have a story about the book, like just that it was written in six days, people are going to simply want to read it just because like, what could you write down in six days? And I literally, I did not stop in those six days until the book was done. But the premise of it was like this. I had wanted to write a book for so long. And uh, my wife told me, and she's a very uh, realist. You need to interview her next. I promise you, you will absolutely love her. Okay. She told me, uh, stop talking about it and go and do it. <laughs> and I took the computer that I'm on right now, which is not a laptop. Uh, it's an iMac. And I took it with an old school extension cord, ran it out into my side yard and sat in my side yard with what I call my laptop, uh, which is an iMac with an extension cord from the garage. And I pounded out uh, the book like this with one finger because I don't type well. The, the premise of it basically was I wanted to be able to help people to understand in a simplistic way how they could be able to build a business and how they could be able to take things to a completely other level, not by going into the complicated side, but by the simple premise of business, right? right? And this is what God gave to me. He said that business is nothing more than a series of small tasks done in a timely manner. The book uh, God gave me those six concepts, the six indicators for business and life, meaning that if you, uh, you know, if your uh, speedometer broke in your car, you would most likely not drive your car anymore, not because it couldn't run, but because you wouldn't know how fast or slow you're going, which would simply impair your reaction time. And most people are running their businesses, their lives, and their uh, relationships without indicators to tell them how fast or slow they're going, therefore impairing their, uh, their, their reaction time. And sometimes when they think they're only going five miles an hour, but they're going 100, they don't react in a, a good enough time or a, a, a well enough time that, will, that ends up injuring them in the future. So this, I mean, so amazing. I, I have to comment on the six days thing. This just this happened. I just had this conversation with an author who took years to write each of his books. And so I asked him about his thoughts and, I, and I've written books really quick and I've taken a longer time to write books. And I asked him his thoughts on this. I said, you know, now we're in this world where it's so much easier to write and release a book. And I asked him the question, what are his thoughts or can you write a quick book that's still a good book? And it kind of surprised me his answer because every one of his books took years to write. And he basically said, uh, we got in this conversation about how Rocky, the movie was written in a weekend. And so he said, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think it's about how quick it's written. I think it's, does it serve the audience? And if it serves the audience, it doesn't matter if it's written in six minutes or took six years. And that's really surprising when you think of somebody that's took, taken years to write every one of their books, you kind of get jaded and think automatically, oh, well, he's going to say, you know, you, ha you have to let it marinate. 
But he said, you know what? It, it, it depends on the person, the book, but you can have a brilliant book that's written quickly that serves the right audience. And then it came back to the idea, just like Rocky wrote that movie, or sorry, Sly wrote that movie in a weekend and it ended up winning the Academy Award or nominated at least. And that was his first movie. I mean, so who's to say what's right or wrong? So I think the six days thing, I think that's awesome because I do think you can write a great book in that amount of time. I think the cover, by the way, is brilliant. I love the cover. It's such a great, uh, such a great look and, and it obviously works well with your brand. Um, but I guess the other side is whenever people have been reading the book so far, what have you heard for feedback? You know, you're talking about the pillars. And I think, by the way, that's something that's overlooked a lot, Kelly, is the fact that so many people, you mentioned the legs. It seems like these days we're in such an insta-fix society that everybody works on one leg and then is wobbling because they don't focus on the other three or they work on two and not all four. Uh, so what has your feedback been from the book of people saying, you know, this is what I took from the book? Well, I think the biggest thing is, is honestly, there, there hasn't been one thing or one challenge. And I would say this, and I'll ask you this here in a second, but, you know, there hasn't been one challenge, one goal that anyone has ever been able to have that couldn't be solved within the six. Like the six indicators are not the answers, but they're a framework for you to be able to look at literally like every single bit of, of business, every single bit in your relationship. I did this with one of my good friends. He just got a divorce and I did, I wasn't. I didn't tell him I was doing this. Now he'll know because of podcast. But I was listening to what was going on in his marriage and I was listing off indicator number one, indicator number two, you need to work on three, you need to work on four. And it was, it's incredible, man, because I have not found anything, anything. And for me writing the book in six days, I had been imploring all these six for four and a half years in my business every day. So we grade ourselves on these six indicators every day in every location at the end of the day. And whatever we're deficient in, we work on. Whatever we're great at, we forget about it because we don't want to gain ego. But the, the feedback has been, it relates in so many different aspects of life. You know, that way I can look at it and say, I mean, simply like, well, I'll give you, an, uh, for instance, so I got to use one today. Indicator number five is innovation. We've got to have the ability to be able to innovate in our environment or else we're not going to want to uh, stay in that environment and we're not going to have fire in it, right? But number five leads to number six. So when you innovate, the ability to adapt immediately is going to be the difference between you succeeding and you not succeeding. So we got a chance to do this at a Chamber of Commerce event this morning with, I had a leader with me and I sat down with her after she had the notes and I said, what are the practical applications of the notes that you took today and how can you apply it to your life? And your success is going to teeter on indicator number six right? Meaning your ability to adapt immediately. And I tell you, like for me, again, it's a, it's a way of, I mean, the, the, the um, reaction time has been amazing. So if I was to ask you this, Corey, what's your number one pain point in your business right now as you go? Because you've got two podcasts, um, you've done newspaper things, you've done radio shows, you're a stand-up comic, you're a keynote speaker. Tell me your number one pain point. So the number one pain point that I'll say it this way because most people would say not enough time, but I'll say I'll add an extra step to mine. It's because I love what I do, so I'd love to have more time to do it. So okay. for me, I still get lots done, whereas some people say there's just never enough time, but I would love to be able to continue to do more of it. And, and why I say that's a pain point, it's not necessarily like a pain point, you know, that affects revenue, but it's still a pain point for me because I'd love to be able to continue doing even more of what I love. Okay. So this one, you wouldn't be, uh, you wouldn't have to go into number two. Number two is vibe. So your, your vibe is incredible because you're loving exactly what it is that you're doing. 
when you go into uh, indicator number three, which is process and procedure, your process and procedure is one of the things and number four, which is uh, productivity. If you looked within those two indicators and you'll read them in the book, I don't know if we have sent it out to you yet, but we will. So you'll have it. When you look inside those two things, first you're gonna look at your process and procedure. Your process and procedure is just gonna be, basically be a list of your screw ups. So all the things that you screwed up with that you're gonna write them down and you're gonna create that, that procedure. That procedure, then you're gonna to start to look at your productivity. Is every single thing that I'm doing getting to the end result in what we call filler moves? Is there things as a hairdresser that I do that I move my hands like this before I cut? That's wasting time. And we actually took it down to this point, Corey. With our process and procedure, and then into our productivity, which was indicator number three and number four, we took a, 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 a highlight, right? And you put foils in the head. And I figured that uh, a normal highlight would put anywhere from 50 to 100 foils in the head. So if you wasted 15 seconds on, uh, on 100 guests or on 100 foils, which is normal, this would be uh, 100 foils at 15 seconds a piece. You would be 1,500 seconds, right? Or you would be, uh, yeah, 1,500 seconds. 1,500 seconds is right around 15 minutes. It's right around there, give or take, it's about 17 minutes. If you wasted 15 minutes on every guest and you had eight of them in a day, that would be a waste of two hours. Two hours would be two guests at $100 a pop. That would be $200 times five days in a week would be 1,000 times 50 weeks in a year would be $50,000 in lost revenue by wasting 15 seconds on your foil. This is the way that the book works and this is the way that we look at our culture. So right in your pain point, you would look at number three and number four, and then you would start to look at your, uh, uh, you know, into number five, which would be innovation, innovating your new procedure, and then your ability to adapt immediately, which would cause you to be able to bring it back full circle. Does that make sense? Wow, it, it so does. And you got me thinking about the other, other pain point, which is tied to it, is, and I'm, I've been changing this over time, but getting caught up working in our business as much as we work on it, and, you know, and I would say some people would say working on the, in the business way more than on it. I've been good balancing the two, but at the same time, I recognize there's still deficiencies. You know, there's times when you're saying, oh, it's just easier for me to deal with this right now, but there's a bigger cost in the long run that you're not letting go of it. So anyway, that, that's a whole other area, but I get it totally. I love that. Um, so as a follow-up to that then, uh, Kelly, I'd love to ask you, as we start to wind down, there's never enough time and I'm gonna bring you back on because I know we're barely scratching the surface, but there's a, a few questions I like to ask every guest we bring onto the show. So I'd love to get your take on them. And so the first one is about passion and purpose. And you can say if you define them separately, together, linked, what have you, uh, but do you think it's important to find your passion and live on purpose, and if so, why? Well, I think that it's, it's the most important thing. And I think that uh, I think people look at purpose as a, a two, uh, large and complicated and almost a, a taboo kind of situation. I think that simply our purpose is figure out what you're uh, gifted at and then go give it away to every person that you can. Love so, that. Whatever it is that you've been gifted with, and I was gifted with the, uh, the fact of making people feel better about themselves than when, when they, before they came to me. So I've got to give that away at any point. Passion is uh, nothing more that if you look up, up in the dictionary, it's uh, a strong and barely controllable emotion. A strong and barely controllable emotion is passion. So when someone says I'm passionate about something, but most of the time it's a, the most overused word in our society because people say I'm really passionate about haircutting. And I ask them this, then that means when you get home from work, 
Do you do two to three haircuts to be able to work on your efficiency before you say hello to your husband or your wife or you kiss your kids? They say, no, 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 what are you talking about? I'm not crazy. Well, it's a strong and barely controllable emotion. If you don't do that, then you simply like it. So start using the word like as opposed to passion. I believe that we use words in our English language that we don't actually understand the meaning of and therefore we use them too loosely and people don't hold us accountable to it. If people understood what passion really meant and they utilized the word, they would only speak about it when they were truly passionate. I had one thing, right? I was in um, Germany and I'll tell you this very quick. So on the bus and I was uh, I said, why I asked my friend from Germany, I said, why are you guys, you know, a little standoffish with Americans? And he was like, well, what are you talking? And he said, do you want me to tell you the truth? And I said, yes. He said, because you guys lie a lot. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, every time that an American person that I know has a hamburger, they say, oh my gosh, this is the greatest hamburger I've ever had in my entire life. I'm so obsessed with it. And he said, are you really? Or are you just saying that? And I find that most people are just saying it. And he said, that's the reason why I think that you're a liar. And I said, wow. I mean, that was so impactful. But he said, in Germany, if we love it, we tell you. But if we like it, we tell you that too. But we will never say that we love it when we only like it. Wow. And so to that point, I love that. And to that point, people ask me all the time, because I have a book called The Book of Why. So when I'm out speaking about passion and why and purpose and stuff like that, people will say to me, okay, well, this all sounds good and great. How can I do what it is that I'm passionate about and make a living at it starting right away? And I said, well, there's the key thing. If your sole focus is to make a living at it, then it's not your passion. Go find something else. You know, if you're only doing it for to like make a living, then that's not your passion. You know, that it's it's not because you and I, I think, would both agree. You said it earlier. Um, you're you're trying to make people happy. So the truth is, we both maybe are going. Don't tell anybody because I, I still want to get paid. But the truth is, we would probably do it for free. And to that point, then why, like, you know, why are you saying, as you said, I love this and I would do it if, you know, I would do it for free. Uh, I would do it no matter what. And then all of a sudden, the first thing you say to me is, how can I make money doing it? You know, so, and I know a lot of people that will tell me whatever they're passionate about. My girlfriend is a case where she's passionate about photography and it's the only thing she won't do for money because she said it would ruin it. So, you know, to that point is that she's passionate about it. So she wouldn't do it for money because to her, it would kind of poison it. And I don't feel the same way, but it, to me, that's, it's a true passion because she doesn't need to get paid to do it. Well, and what I would say to, I mean, I wouldn't want to interrupt with you and your lady, but what I would say to your lady is, is that receiving is just as important as giving. And when you are, when you stop someone from giving to you about uh, saying that I don't want to receive any money for my craft, right? What I would say to her is that when you're doing that, you're blocking the blessing of the person who wants to bless you. And when I am able to give, I feel amazing. And I want to give something equal or greater than the gift that I receive. So that gift that she has as far as photography and people want to give her money for it, by her accepting it, she's actually allowing that person to be blessed. But when she stops it, she's actually blocking blessing. Now, I wouldn't tell your woman that. You could tell her I said that, but I wouldn't tell her because I would want, I mean, that would probably mess up on your relationship. <laughs> no, but, you know what? We, we have, uh, we're, we're lucky. We have an open, uh, you know, discussion type relationship. And what, uh, here's what, here's the key things. One, she loves taking pictures of trees and animals and stuff. And so they don't pay as well. You have to then get paid by somebody who wants to use those images. But secondly, she went and she just finished getting a certification in coaching because she lo loves that as well. But that one, she feels uh, she's, I guess 
more comfortable receiving for that one. So she's just, so she's oh. doing the photography for fun and the coaching to get paid to do it. That's so, awesome. Yeah. That's anyway, awesome. so, but yeah, so, but I, I would tell her that. I'll tell her you said it. <laughs> um, so my, my follow-up question to that then, Kelly, is about success. How do you define success? I think that each person's uh, uh, definition is different. Uh, for me, it's uh, doing God's will. And, um, you know, that's, that's the biggest thing for me is, you know, people ask me like, what's your goal in five years? And it's simply to be more obedient to exactly what God's purpose is in my life. And I believe like I, when we, we start where, or we end where we started today, uh, I believe that the only reason why he has given me any gifts at all, why he's blessed me at all is to be a gift to people and to bless people. And he let me know this. He uh, took a um, little cup. I wish I had a cup with me and he, uh, showed me a cup and it was like eight ounce cup. And he asked me, how much water can you fit in a cup? And I said, it's easy. It's eight ounces. And he asked me again, how much can you fit? And I said, eight ounces. And then he asked me a third time. And I said, well, you tell me. And he said, what if you cut the bottom out of it? He said, you could fit all the water in the world in that one cup because it would be constantly passing through and always have new water in it. And he said, that's just like my blessings. If you continue to pour them out onto every single person that you're around, I will continue to pour them through. But the moment that you put a cap on the bottom of your cup and you try and save it for yourself, that's when I'll start uh, stop pouring it on. Wow. That's, that's a, that, you know what, I'll be thinking about that later on today over and over again. That's so <laughs> powerful. And I don't know why this, it's not related at all, but just about the cup and water. Uh, a quote I shared one time, because I do believe this to be true, but uh, you know, the whole thing, the pessimist says the glass is half empty, the optimist says it's half full. Uh, I added in a third person. I said, the actionist just keeps on filling the glass. Just get another glass, get another glass, just keeps on filling it. Why, why can't there be abundance? But anyway, that's another side story. Um, so the last official question, and then I'm just going to ask you the unofficial question, Kelly, of how we can learn more about your work. And like I said, I'm going to call this to be continued because I know we didn't scratch the surface. Plus, we still have to talk about bringing your wife onto the show. So we'll deal with all that later. Uh, but the last question, my favorite question to ask guests, if you could sit across from, maybe you jumped into a time machine or, or however you got there, but you could sit across from a younger version of yourself, maybe 16 or 18 years of age, and give him one or two pieces of life advice based on what you've learned in the years since. What do you think you might tell him? Chill out. It's going to be okay. And, uh, you know, why I think the best uh, piece of advice that I got from John Paul, uh, John Paul DeJoria, he said, um, everything turns out good in the end. And if it's not good right now, it's not the end. <laughs> and I tell myself that so many times as a, you know, 10-year-old uh, you know, moving uh, into a one-bedroom apartment with five people or, you know, losing my job 12 years ago or getting robbed five times in the first five years that we opened uh, to, uh, you know, my wife coming home one day and my, my uh, ex, you know, my ex-wife just leaving and being gone uh, to my mom passing in June, uh, June last year. Um, I, I, all of those times, I would sit and look and say that everything is going to be okay in the end. And if it's not the, if it's not good right now, it's not the end. There's so many, these are so many things I'm going to contemplate later. Um, I've been taking mental notes and I've been writing some notes on the side as well. Uh, so Kelly, this has been fantastic. Like I say, uh, too short, so we're going to bring you back. But the last thing is, how can people connect with you more? Grab the book, learn more about your work, learn more about the, the business that you guys are in. How can they, where, is there like a hub you would normally direct people to? So kellycardenas.com uh, is going to be, uh, going to be the best one. Uh, there's also kellycardenassalon.com. And then the real Kelly Cardenas on Instagram. 
And I tell you what I would do is, I mean, more than follow me, you need to follow, you're already following Corey if you're listening to this. But the other piece of advice that I'd give myself is the one that you gave and you just glazed over it when we were talking before this interview. You said, once you become obsessed with everything, uh, with something, everything else will fall in line. That was your quote. And I tell you, if more kids understood that part of it, because you said that you uh, uh, understood that it took two years to be able to get 10 minutes worth of good work and that you did 700, 700 times on a stage and you were uh, you know, doing stand-up comedy until you were okay with it. If more kids would understand that part, they wouldn't be following me. They'd be following you, man. I mean, I, I tell you, it was just, it was absolute genius. And I wrote notes on this. I took more from this than you did. Um, so I'm just, I, you know, I would say that, uh, you know, definitely follow me, uh, the real Kelly Cardenas. It's not because I think that I'm the man. It's because a, a woman, a Latin singer got the name before me. And all my buddies that I still hang out with since fourth grade are like, why are you the real Kelly Cardenas? You think you're something? I'm like, no, because some other woman got it before me. Um, so check, check that out. But I would definitely, you're doing the right thing and listening to Corey because, I mean, this dude is changing lives. Oh, my God. That's, wow. So humbling, Kelly. But thank you so much. I think it, the feeling's obviously mutual. Uh, so, you know, I think people should maybe follow both of us then. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, but thank you so much for uh, serving it back to me. I so appreciate it. And like I said, this isn't the end because even though things are going okay and great on this interview, it's still not the end. So I think that... Hey, you're going to teach me two things. Number one, you're going to teach me stand-up comedy. Number okay. two, you're going to teach me how to do uh, interviews with nunchucks in the background like you got in the background. Is that nunchucks? Yes, it that is. Nunchucks. That, I mean, that is the coolest thing ever, man. I've been watching them the whole time. It's like squirrel, but I tell you, Teach me how to do stand-up comedy and teach me how to interview people with nunchucks and that will change the world. With nunchucks with Bruce Lee on them. <laughs> so I, I will do that. Awesome stuff. Thanks so much, Kelly. Been a pleasure. Uh, like I said, this is not the end, my friend. We'll bring you back on and we will keep connected and I'll reach out off air. People get to hear this on air uh, to connect with your wife and bring her onto the show as well. Sounds good. Thanks, my friend. Have a great day. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.